0: third
2: welcome to the fantasy football report a rotoviz radio news show covering the serious and mocking the ridiculous nfl news of the last week brought to you by the ffpc i'm of course blair andrews and my host as always is hassan rahim hassan we've got uh a lot to talk about for uh See a week in the off season, you know uh but excited to get into it what do you think
3: hell yeah man camps are opening up football is right around the corner and i am super stoked that we've got a very exciting guest to help us uh, get through this
2: yes absolutely joining us today on the show is pat corain pat is a legend here at rotoviz he was one of the producers of fantasy land he's the co-host of the high stakes diaries the author of uh Tremendous Dynasty series on Rotoviz, and now the co-creator of a great comedy meets fantasy football news website, rotoblurb.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Pat Corain. Pat, thanks for joining us. How's
1: it going? It's going great, guys. Thanks for having me on.
2: Absolutely, yeah. Uh, really um, excited about the, well, about the Dynasty series you've been writing at Rotoviz. That's been just a great read every time and uh, excited about this new... Um, this new website, what I guess, um what's the thinking behind that or the impetus between behind starting that and uh what's it all about?
1: Yeah, so I'm doing that with my brother Mike, and we've got a bunch of uh some really good writers that you guys know. Um uh Pete overzet will be contributing a little bit, John Solis will be contributing a little bit, um, and a few more. So we're gonna be um kind of cranking out comedy blurbs. So it's a bit like the onion meets like fantasy news, right? So um, nothing, nothing that is actually actionable. <laughs> this is not where you go for the van- the fantasy news that's going to help you win your league. But if you kind of need a break from all of the ridiculousness, you can come read some comedy ridiculousness at Uh
3: I don't know. Uh, I mean, I- I'm reading a blurb here about uh, Rivers being hospitalized after catastrophic father's day incident and i am adjusting my rankings uh, as we speak <laughs> that is a risk factor with them
2: definitely actionable <laughs> all right let's get into the first item the Bengals signed tyler boyd to a four-year 43 million dollar extension through 2023 um so they're extending boyd before aj green in a walk year and he now gets just over 10 million annually which is more than recent deals for lockett and sterling shepherd um pat in one of your recent articles you noted that boyd should be a red flag by at wide receiver and on the other hand aj green should be a strong sell so how does this news sort of affect how you're approaching the Bengals' wide receiver situation
1: yeah the red flag that i um identified for boyd was his contract situation so this is great news for boyd um just to give Uh, listeners a little bit of context on the article what i did was i looked at um projected redraft finish so this is a dynasty focused article but i'm looking at where Rodoviz had these wide receivers projected to finish for this season and then asking the question what if we're right what if they do finish here how will that affect their value right because sometimes you see guys who like we kind of know aren't going to have these big seasons but are still being drafted as if that, you know, they they might finish top five or something. And then when they don't, their value falls off a cliff. So you can kind of get out in front of this. Or vice versa. Guys, Some guys are getting drafted for some weird reason, uh, you know, young, productive guys, at a discount to where redraft rankings have them going. So Boyd is one of the latter guys. He's a guy that, for some reason, has a discount. Um, he's, he's discounted, like, four spots uh, to his projected... Ro is finish. Now Roda is a bit high on Boyd, but Boyd is generally generally regarded as a, a good redraft uh, uh, pick this year. Um, he's, he's generally pretty popular so when I did this he was the 27th wide receiver by ADP but projected to finish 23rd. So you're getting a four spot discount. Now the red flag was like I said, the contract. Um, if he hit free agency, he could potentially end up in a much worse situation. And uh, that could really tank his value, but now that's gone, and he just has the upside, um, not only the upside of potentially finishing higher than the projected wide receiver twenty-three finish that we had for him, but AJ Green might not be there next year. He's still not signed to a new deal. Um, it's you know it's possible that he does get signed, uh, but that's just a little extra upside that you get when you take Boyd, um, and he at least right now, I mean, we'll have to see how this affects his price, but he was already going at a discount. If his ADP doesn't go up significantly, there could be an even bigger discount on Boyd uh, now that uh, some of the risk with him is gone. So he's starting to look like an even better dynasty buy than he was before, and he was already a pretty good buy. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, one thing that's been sort of interesting. I guess it's not even that surprising, but it's just something that I kind of think has been one of the better values all offseason is the delta in ADP between just where Green and Boyd are going in redraft. I mean, there's like a 30 pick difference uh with Green going 30 spots higher. Um, you know, and I mean in my rankings, I actually have Boyd ranked higher, but um that's maybe a little bit uh <laughs> I might be kind of the odd man out with that, but um, yeah do you think that should be closer I mean obviously you think Boyd is a is a value and Green maybe not so much but um, is it would it be crazy for someone to draft Boyd ahead of Green this year
1: in redraft I mean I, I don't think it would be crazy because you, you don't Green has to come back from injury and Blair you actually had a really good article about bounce back seasons where I, you're basically making the point right that um, we probably overrate player's ability to come back from injury is that a fair
2: mm-hmm. uh, yeah. summation of that definitely yeah,
1: yeah. so yeah,
2: just ask me on, on that, that basis
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and and Boyd is an emerging player I mean he broke out last year in his third season he was an excellent prospect um Sean Siegel recently had an amazing breakdown of uh why we're probably underwriting the Bengals offense in general so you know even if you even if you take Tyler Boyd and he doesn't beat A.J. Green, he's still probably going to score higher than people think. Um, so I, it's like hard to imagine it being all that bad of a pick either way.
3: Yeah, I, I also kind of remember, uh, and it's really good that you bring this up because that makes two of the three guys on this podcast who have mentioned A.J. Green is a very strong dynasty sell and uh, Tyler Boyd is a very strong dynasty buy. Uh and I guess that makes three of us, uh, three of three on this spot who have all touted uh, Tyler Boyd. I was a little bit early uh, touting him in 2017, uh, but he had a really um, uh, mixed season, I guess you could say, uh, especially after a promising rookie year. Uh, he was, you know, uh, again, Boyd as a rookie did fine with or without A.J. Green. That was, you know, when A.J. Green tore his uh, hamstring against the Buffalo Bills. Boyd sort of came on, but really like LaFell also did uh, later that year. Uh, and then the off season issues for Boyd occurred. And then uh, he also sprained his MCL just led to this bit of a wash off a sophomore year. And uh, then he really kind of emerged uh, last year as this, you know, as a, as a very viable uh, wide receiver too. Ian Rappaport refers to, refers to Boyd as um, AJ Green's sidekick. And, and it's a little weird uh, uh, in that in the long run uh, I mean, Realistically, that, uh, that report probably is about as accurate as his um, Antonio Brown is a Buffalo Bill uh, report. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, Boyd is sort of uh, an ascending guy who they've opted to pay more money than uh, Lockett or Sterling Shepard uh, and clearly is, is a player who they see as, as, as a part of the future. And, and Blair, you mentioned this, uh, AJ Green's in a walk here. Uh, I really wonder if the Bengals uh, will wind up trading A.J. Green midseason in, in the event that he's having a, a strong year and they're able to get something back in exchange for him. Uh, did that? Is that something uh, that either of you think is an actual viability? You know, because we've seen a couple of pretty big name wide receivers get traded. And uh, I'm personally, I'm kind of a uh, I just want to see more trades involving superstar caliber players.
1: Maybe if it wasn't the Bengals, <laughs> yeah,
3: they're,
2: they're it just a, just a little a bad sharp. Front office. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: They're, su- they're just such a bad front office.
2: Yeah, I mean, I definitely would be. It would be awesome to see that. I would kind of, I would not uh, want to bet on that or anything. But yeah, I just looked it up. Even in Dynasty, Green is going twenty spots ahead of Boyd in the last uh, month or so. Uh, exactly. I mean, does that make sense?
1: No, it doesn't make any no. sense. Yeah. <laughs> And that, you know, the so the case, just real quick, the case I made against Green, because he was going uh Dynasty wide receiver 17 when I wrote the article, and we had him at projected for 15. So we have him projected to score higher than than Boyd, uh despite Blair's best efforts. <laughs> but um he's he's uh if he does finish at that level, uh wide receiver 15, that's not a good finish for a 31 year old wide receiver. That's kind of like one of the reasons I wrote this series. It's like if we know that this guy's probably going to finish around that level, we also can kind of put ourselves in the position of being in 2020 and AJ Green's coming off of a mid, you know, okay wide receiver two level season and Tyler Boyd potentially nipping at his heels and AJ Green might be departing the Bengals. Um, you know, that wide receiver 15 finish probably means he scored under 17. Points per game, or that he missed more time due to an injury, which he's done uh, in in two of the last three years already. So you're just looking in dynasty. Green is not someone that you want to be investing, you know, a top twenty wide receiver pick in. I think. I mean, I I think that he could pretty easily drop to like wide receiver twenty nine in dynasty or so um, with. Like a fairly decent season. Like wide receiver 15. So, um, I, I just think, you know, I don't, I don't fault anyone for taking a shot on him in redraft. And I think he's actually, you know, potentially a good pick in redraft. Because uh, I like what Sean's saying about the Bengals offense being underrated generally. Um, and certainly, Green could overperform this season. And you could be feeling great about having him at Dynasty. Although, frankly, you should sell him if that's the case. <laughs> um, if, but... Uh, I just think there's a lot of risk with Green and I'm not really trying to get risky wide receivers early in my draft.
3: Yeah, I tried selling Green for a mid second, 2019 second and uh, this year. <laughs> that was actually rejected. Whoa. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Welcome to the 2019 draft where apparently AJ Green isn't worth a second rounder. Okay, well don't sell him for that. <laughs> yeah, so I mean I, I, this is a just a just an absolute roster teardown. Uh, so I'm trying to get whatever value, and uh, I I could, and uh, again, it it sounds like I'm selling for absolutely like pennies on the dollar, but that's because I'm pretty motivated to get him off my squad. Uh, but there's a method to the madness behind yeah. behind making these these like losing trades that like look terrible. Uh, well, if the
2: other that's guy the... was probably thinking you know something he doesn't, because why else would you uh, would you make him such an
1: incredible offer? <laughs> right <laughs> i think with some of these guys i mean like an in, in-season trade for aj green might yeah. be a great great call because oh, yeah. you know, if you think the the offense is underrated he's coming back from injury you kind of just need um someone to get a little bit enticed with the production right so
3: yeah it's just it's just a matter of yeah yeah i i agree with you entirely it's just a matter of i i just wanted to uh if I had a good enough read on the league. It would have been to um, eventually get, I think, uh, I can't remember who went there, but I believe it might have been Daryl Henderson. This was pretty much where uh, Mm -hmm. after I wrote, I I wrote my uh, fades and I had Daryl Henderson as like the second RB to fade, if only because I mentioned that the girly owner should do whatever it takes to to get Henderson um, wherever they're drafting. And he should be a first-rounder, so you might want to just temper expectations, fade that, and go for a wide receiver. And then it turns out that, like, people just watched Henderson fall, and it wasn't until a, a month later where people are like, oh, we should, like, Daryl Henderson's, like, now, uh, uh, you know, going at the 105, uh, so I've been uh, trolling pretty much every girly owner in my league with my Henderson <laughs> picks. Uh, I've been sending them offers of Henderson, Ford, Gurley, plus a twenty twenty.
1: Oh, person. God <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. You must be real popular in that league.
3: <laughs> uh, leagues, leagues.
1: Leagues, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, well, I only
3: did it to like the owners who were like, that's good. I can't believe you dared draft Terrell Henderson at the end of right. the first round. And it's like, yeah, well, Believe it.
1: <laughs> just yeah, a, just no. A and, reminder. And he He's going mid, mid first later. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Just, just a reminder. This was also coincided with the Daryl Henderson uh, ADP spike uh, in redraft as well. Just a reminder that, like, if you want to buy now, let's 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 play the game. Um, the Giants signed their number six overall pick, Daniel Jones, to a four-year contract. Uh, despite being selected fifth overall, there is a very strong sense that Eli Manning will open the season as a Giants starter and it is unknown when Jones will take over as the QB1. Uh, Pat, you actually wrote a phenomenal article on Saquon Barkley and his downside comparables uh, that I genuinely, like I strongly urge everyone to go over to Rotovis, subscribe, and actually read it. If only because it gives a phenomenal range of outcomes for where we could see Saquon's valuation go uh, in terms of uh, what a down year for him would look like. So. Out of curiosity, which of these two quarterbacks represents um, the best saving grace for the Giants' offense, in your opinion, and uh, who will help buoy uh, Barkley's value?
1: Yeah, I think um, the best case scenario for Barkley owners is if you get Jones coming in about midseason and sparking the offense by being mobile. Uh Jones I don't think is going to be like a great quarterback, right? I'm not going to no no one really wants to um get out on that limb and I'm not going to either, but Jones had 37 rushing yards per game in his college career. Um that's more than twice as much as Blake Bortles had. Uh it's almost 10 yards more per game than Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Andrew Luck, Baker Mayfield. Um so he wasn't like at the Dak Prescott, Marcus Mariota the Sean Watson level of those guys are like 50 plus yards per game in terms of rushing but he's way more mobile than he gets credit for. So I think that um particularly with an elite running back uh in Barkley um this offense could be better than people think with Jones under the helm. Jones is probably going to get exposed at times. So like the less we see from him in some ways the better. Because, again, I'm thinking about, like, if you own Barkley, you obviously want him to score points. He's your number one running back. Um, But you know you're getting into. You're getting into an offense that has really no choice but to run through him. The best case scenario is if then that offense looks like it could take off a little bit more um, in 2020 because – it has some really high-scoring weeks to close this season. And I think that could happen if Jones gets under center. That's not going to happen if Eli Manning gets under center. His splits without Odell Beckham are terrible. Um, And so you really, I think, need Jones to come in and run around.
2: Yeah, I think that is probably exactly right. It's kind of what we saw happen last season with both Buffalo and in Baltimore, where you get a mobile quarterback come in and – it kind of lifts the whole offense obviously that was huge you know when Lamar Jackson came in the you know basically anyone who caught passes couldn't do anything but Gus Edwards and Kenneth Dixon became relevant again so you can see it helping Saquon from a from a rushing perspective um you know one thing that is intriguing about Saquon even if you expect the Giants to be pretty bad is just that they don't have a lot of other people to involve in the offense you can see him probably I don't know getting targeted maybe 120 times or something oh yeah Uh, so yeah I wonder if does bringing in a mobile quarterback like if Daniel Jones is going to be as mobile as we saw Josh Allen uh, be last year is that going to take away some of those running back targets that are so valuable
1: I don't think so because he's Josh Allen with a noodle arm (laughs) <laughs> right so he's not going to throw down field. he's going he's scrambling around to throw a three yard <laughs> check down to Barkley so it's the best of both worlds for Barkley I think and I should say for redraft I think the sooner the better for, uh, for Jones to come in I guess my feeling with Jones is that I don't think he's going to be very good so you're going to if you in Dynasty if people realize oh god Daniel Jones stinks and the Barkley's tied to this guy for like the next three years. That could really kind of hurt his value. But in redraft, I think you want the, the better quarterback for at least fantasy stats. And I think that'll be Jones.
3: Yeah. The, the one fun thing about like Barkley, uh, I was playing with a, with the screener to get, you know, game flow statistics for running backs, wide receivers and tight ends. And, uh, when you're looking at, uh, the most targeted running back when a team trails by, um, uh, you know, just they, they trail by seven or more points. Uh, uh, Saquon Barkley saw 77 targets. That's uh, wow. more than Christian McCaffrey's 58. And then the next on that list mm. is uh, Jalen Richard with 53. Kamara saw 51. And then, you know, your usual suspects: your Reddick, your Heinz's, you know, Lindsay saw a handful as well. Uh, so it's just, you know, and, and, and just negative game flow the giants uh leads to a lot more passing volume anyway and like pat mentioned you've either got eli manning with the noodle arm or uh his mobile doppelganger and daniel jones with the noodle arm both checking down to barkley uh i did uh, i was chatting with a with a buddy today who uh, who mentioned that he was going to try to trade for saquon barkley uh, in one of his leagues um after someone put him on the uh, put barkley on the block and uh and uh, was looking for you know serious buyers only, and and um, and you know my buddy mentioned that he tried to grab Anthony Miller in that trade as well, but he offered uh, carry-on plus Galladay for Barclay and Miller, or Sony and Harris and Cooks uh, for mm-hmm. for Barkley. Um, or do either of those trades uh, sound fairish to either of you guys? Uh, or um, uh, but the, uh, because uh, the counter was. Uh, Carry on and uh, Michelle and Engram and Galladay, and Danahill uh, T- and Superflex, or for Barkley plus just uh, plus a random throw in like uh, Hayden Hurst or Paul Richardson. It's like so so. That's, what's a fair valuation?
1: That's where his value's at right now. Like that. That's part of the reason why I wanted to write this this article series. Is like people generally there's i think there's like a cognitive bias or something that like we don't want to think about what can go wrong for the very best player in fantasy that everyone wants right so that's why i compared him to matt forte his season going from 2008 when he's a rookie to 2009 and like really not much changed um he did have a new quarterback but the quarterback was supposed to be better kind of like we might see this year um and his touchdowns dropped from 12 to 4 and his yardage went way down and uh he actually caught almost as many uh, passes and had almost as many receiving yards, but he's, it really was his touchdowns just absolutely cratered. Um, and so there's a real downside scenario with Barkley, but if I owned Barkley, I would be asking for that giant package because I think it's, you, you at least have a chance to get it. And Barkley is so, he's so young and he had such a good rookie season that even if he has the Matt Forte kind of, stays healthy, but kind of sucks a little bit level season. um, He's still going to be like a top six dynasty startup pick. I think people are going to, are going to ride with him anyway. So I, yeah, I would, I wouldn't be paying the King's ransom for Barkley right now, but in the road of his dynasty league reboot, we, so we just like had a startup draft for the RDL uh, once again. And we got to pick. Me and my brother co own a the team there. We got to pick where uh, we won the uh, the uh, the lottery to see where we selected our draft pick. So we picked the 101, and with the 101, we took Barkley. And we thought maybe we'd be able to trade off them for a lot of value, but uh, it's sort of is, so no one wanted to give us that. <laughs> and uh, and that's fine. I think it's fine to have Barkley because if. You know your dynasty team is probably better with at least one Uber elite running back, and Barkley's value should be very stable, and he should actually produce a lot of points over a long period. So, um, I, I actually think those the packages that he offered are light for Barkley, but at the same time, I wouldn't do what the counters were. Hmm.
3: Yeah, I mean, it just feels a little bit too much to go with on and Holiday and Ingram and Sony. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's just, that just that's feels, a That's just it, it's it's a wild. I don't I don't know how you negotiate down from that. I mean I, I can <laughs> see the point really that like, you want a lot for Barkley uh, if anyone's tra- trading for him, which is uh, which is always where um, the guy who's trying to trade Barkley away is either gonna have to be motivated and suck up and make a trade that he doesn't think represents fair value. Or uh, or just be fine with writing it out, and I'm I'm with you. I would personally, I would much rather just write it out with with Saquon, uh, if only because like, like you said, he's going to be a top six starter pick, like you said. I mean Leonard Fournette's still going in the first three rounds,
1: <laughs> right, right.
3: like, like <laughs> I mean like people just they just want running backs. Like I I I, I don't know. Like it's such a weird. Thing And that, that's why it kind of is a bit of a bummer because you're, you're playing with, like, in the RDL, you're playing with 11 other like-minded guys. Mm-hmm. It always sucks. I mean, it, it's always fun when you win those, but it sucks having to play in those because it's like 11 guys who have, like, a very similar philosophy as you do. So it's like, you got to get very creative
1: with your right. D- DJ is the 102, you know, that's <laughs> yeah, it. Just,
3: just, like, just throw, it's throw ADP and everything out the window, and it's like, oh, yeah.
1: God. Well, let me ask you guys, because I'm in a startup right now, a dynasty startup, and Saquon Barkley, of course, went 101, but he was traded for picks shortly thereafter. So, is this a big enough haul, do you think? So, uh, for just Saquon Barkley, the haul was uh, the 209, the 304, a 2020 second round pick, and the
2: 704.
1: Hmm. Has, has the 309 been picked? The two, but well, then it, Got moved all around, so it wasn't okay. the same guy. But yeah, I can tell you who took... So the 209 has been picked, and it was Melvin Gordon. Yikes. Yeah, but uh, but Stefan Diggs was still on the board, who I know you guys would have gone with. Right. <laughs> right yeah. Uh,
3: it, it's funny you mentioned that, because Barkley also got moved in, in our startup. He was picked 101, and then he was traded away for the 112 and 201. And uh, those picks became Joe Mixon and Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. See, I would, I would take that. I mean, I would rather have the 112 yeah. and the 201. Yeah, because it just
3: feels, I mean.
1: If really, I can get Juju there for sure.
3: Right, I mean. yeah, exactly. Right, and that's the one where like um, we tried to trade up like as because we traded out of the first. Then we tried to trade up to that, but we weren't willing to give up the first rounder that we accrued. And so it was a bit of a moot point, but but, but I can I, I can see your point. I, the package that that guy got for trading away, Saquon, was kind of interesting, and it's going to be intriguing to see what he's doing, because it, it, it's always fascinating to me when like owners flip players for picks and picks and picks, and eventually they're going to have to actually start picking. So it, it's always interesting to see how these trades ban out, right?
1: Yeah, that that could have turned in, like a Rotovis drafter would have turned that package into digs. Amari Cooper and uh, well, we'll have to see who's available in the seventh, but maybe Ronald Jones. So it could be Diggs, Ronald Jones, Amari Cooper, and a second round pick next year for Saquon Barkley. That's quite quite a haul. Uh,
3: yeah, could also get one of the one of the tight ends and like an Evan Ingram or maybe yep. even like a Curtis Samuel or Robbie Anderson or AJ Brown. Yep. And uh, and, and I know people don't like are big fans of like the late round quarterback strategy, but uh, you know. It, there's no real issues, but like uh, I don't have much compunction about spending up uh for for a quarterback if in a one quarterback league because then just don't draft another one.
1: Where would you wow. take Kyler Murray right now? Uh, and and, and, and that that's what name I us. actually
3: had in mind when you were yeah. talking about quarterbacks
2: that's 704. I mean that's early for him, but you're getting probably a guy who you can you know just put in your lineup and not have to worry about it for the rest of the dynasty. As long yeah. as it lasts
3: <laughs> that's where he went in ours he went at 703 that's who i was thinking of as well yeah. was like a kyler uh Bob. i don't know if deshaun slips that far but possibly you know you know what i mean like you want like mm-hmm. like i i am off the belief that like we've become a lot of savvy drafters are pretty much in on um later on quarterback you're not seeing guys spending uh, the early round capital on the one qb as uh, as much as they were a few years ago and even now, like, and that's where it gets kind of interesting because Blair and I were drafting in that startup and we got Cam Newton as QB 16 after Dak, Winston, Josh Allen, Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, Trubisky. Yeah. Like, uh, it's pretty nice. And in, in the 12th round at like some point, like we just drafted a guy who's got the ability to finish as the top overall score scorer like that late and that's where like it gets interesting with kyler also because he's going to hold value and pe- people thought like josh rosen held value before they drafted kyler i mean like um and that's where it becomes kind of fascinating to me is if, if you're willing to just sort of spend that like seventh rounder or again your, your 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 opportunity cost is steepish mm-hmm. um but i mean at the at the same time, your probably your expected fantasy point scoring from those different positions by the by the virtue of the actual package probably is a amalgamated score that will outscore Saquon Barkley. Now, you know, on the flip side, sure, it's a, it's roster management, you know, it's resource management versus like stocking up on depth. But I think those are all quality depth guys who give you a very good shot to fill out your your roster in the bye weeks as well with above average fantasy players.
1: The the thing that's tough with me on Murray is that. Lamar Jackson, like in your I actually have your startup uh because for listeners, we're I'm in a startup in the same like league format and Hassan and Blair just finished one up right before mine started. So I'm looking at your guys' board and uh Lamar Jackson went in the fifteenth round. So that's what makes me it's like, well, if I get Lamar yeah, Jackson right. in the fifteenth right, round, yeah. why am I gonna spend uh where did where did uh Murray Murray went in the seventh. Yeah. Seven oh three. Right. So that's like that's where it gets really tough. I really like Kyle, Kyler Murray, but man, it get Lamar Jackson on the fifteenth and and then uh uh you know, you and Breeze and those guys went right there too, so you could potentially just grab like two of those to basically close out your draft. Um that's pretty nice. Yeah. So <laughs> no, I sort of messed up.
2: Yeah, no, I don't think I mean, it you know it depends on who else is on the board at in, like in the seventh. But I don't think Kyler makes a lot of sense when you're potentially looking at I don't know maybe Christian Kirk or Ronald Jones mm-hmm. or Royce Freeman or Will Fuller someone like that.
3: Curtis Samuel, yeah. Yeah, yeah. considering
2: well, yeah, Curtis, considering Rob, that Rob, you can get Lamar Jackson, you know, at least five rounds later,
3: probably.
1: Yeah. Right.
3: Robbie Anderson. Yeah.
1: Robbie yeah. Anderson, yep. Yeah. AJ Brown.
3: AJ Brown, yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe you could also get a Devin Coleman if you want to roll the bones in that backfield. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely an interesting value proposition, right? Because like, um, uh, the getting the tunnel vision on like the young, incredibly stud guys. I mean, Sean wrote that piece about trading away Alvin Kamara for Christian McCaffrey last year. Right. And and it's like, well, yeah, why wouldn't you trade away? Like, you know, uh, Alvin, you know, like people probably. If you were able to do that, congratulations. If you found someone who's like ostensibly so low on CMC last year, you moved away, uh, you know, Camara, a guy of an equal caliber, but you also got something in return. Like when you're trading away these elite guys, you really are kind of playing the game of is he undervalued relatively to his peer group? And and CMC was a guy who was, and that was a
1: phenomenal arbitrage uh, play that Sean pointed out. Yeah, Sean's, Sean's at like peak dynasty owning where. You know, I love the point he makes about like you have to sell guys that people actually want to buy. You know, <laughs> if you shop around like Julian Edelman right now, it's not like people aren't excited, or LaShawn McCoy is like the no one wants to get an offer with LaShawn McCoy in it. You know, so you gotta you gotta sell people that people actually want to buy. Like Sean loves DJ Moore, he's been selling DJ Moore. I've personally can't get enough DJ Moore. Um, <laughs> so I I have not reached peak dynasty ownership where I, I still am hoarding my 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 loves, but uh yeah, like Sean to get off Kamar for McCaffrey. That's and then to get juice on top. That's that looks genius right now.
2: All right, before we get into no shit, shit no, listen up. Road his Patreon is back for a second season, and it's better than ever. And patronships start at only six dollars a month. We now offer exclusive access to Road of His Radio Slack, where you can ask questions and gain league winning advice from many of the podcast and writing team. I know Hassan is in there. I'm in there lurking, maybe even answering questions if uh, I'm feeling up to it. Um, And yeah, Patreons, or patrons rather, also get first dibs on Listener League spots, which will be starting soon. And in the $9 tier, you get some sweet RotoViz Radio merch uh, at the end of the season. So become a RotoViz Radio patron today to join an exclusive community of listeners, access premium content, and do your part in helping the network to grow and continue to produce. High quality, industry leading programming.
3: Uh, yeah, and speaking of exclusives, as a uh, podcast listener, you can actually get ten percent off a Rotoviz NFL Pass right now. It's available through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotaviz.com slash podcast. Uh, you know, just gain unlimited access to all of our NFL content and our tools. Get prepped for draft season. We're pretty much uh, in on the. You know, it's the season is definitely right around the corner. Uh, You get amazing value. support the podcast network. Uh, That's rotaviz.com slash podcast. Also, uh, once you subscribe through the podcast um, uh, discount, use your savings and check out our
0: merch store. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn, compare it to your neighbor's lawn, and complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance, which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages or situations. And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish.
1: Oh, come on.
0: To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to GEICO. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance.
2: Absolutely, yes. Now let's get into No Shit, Shit, No. First item, Peyton Barber. Became the first player since 2013 last season to total fewer than a thousand yards from scrimmage on more than 250 touches.
1: <laughs> no shit. I love, I love, by the way, this is when you know you're in the dead of the offseason when the blurbs <laughs> are just stats from last year. <laughs> like there's no news here. It's just his stats. <laughs> but yes, no shit. He was uninspiring. He's an uninspiring running back. He was in a bad offense. Um, Ronald Jones could be the guy who emerges here. Uh, Sean Siegel had a really good article that just came out today on Road of Is talking about um, how both Barber and Ronald Jones could potentially be values. I actually think I like Ronald Jones so much that I it almost makes me want to get shares of Barber because I kind of I know I've got to be a little bit wrong about this. Um, And I think. One thing, too, is that Arians, I heard an interview with Arians on a Tampa Bay podcast. That's how much I love Ronald Jones. Uh, I listen to Tampa Bay area podcasts. Um, That's also how I get my Scott Miller updates, who we'll get to later. But um, yeah, so Arians was mentioning that, like, he just loves how Barber can run over a safety. Jones isn't going to do that. And I think that that probably will keep Barber in the mix. Like, even in a Jones breakout scenario, Barber's probably in the mix. And he's probably a little bit of a value because this offense is going to be a lot better and they're probably going to be a little bit more. um, They're probably going to run a few more plays as well. So uh, we'll see. But um, yeah, Barber wasn't good last year. That's no surprise. Uh,
3: What are your thoughts on that Ronald Jones bulking up? uh, uh, Blurb that came
1: out. Any concern? Not really. I mean, I guess the thing with Ronald Jones is that we don't, know for sure that he was really fast he looked really fast he ran like a, i think a four five five forty 40 or something um but it was kind of chalked up to him coming back from injury he wasn't fully healthy um he ran track in high school he's really fast but yeah i mean if he in a scenario where he's like not actually that fast and he just gained what was it like 10 or 15 pounds of muscle yeah um, 13 it, like 13 is- his yeah.
3: quads are huge now.
1: Yeah, so that could not be great. Um, but I don't know. I kind of I'll sort of wait and see on that. I guess it could also be good potentially if um, that leads them to use him more in kind of a every down role.
3: Ronald Jones scored the first rushing touchdown by a Buccaneer running back last season, <laughs> and then he got hurt. Yeah,
2: in like week six, right? Week seven, yeah. something
3: like that. Yeah, week six, week seven. I think it was week seven. <laughs> yeah, they were bad. And then he just got hurt. Like, it was like, oh, maybe. And then, nope.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was a rough season. But, you know, Bruce Arians, man. We got hope. Uh, I think the way to hedge your Ronald Jones
3: exposure is just via the the passing game. <laughs> just don't bother with the running backs
1: after this. <laughs> That's probably fair. Yeah, it doesn't feel good to draft uh, Peyton Barber. So, I don't fault anyone for just not doing it. Um, the Bengals' sixth-round
3: running back, Rodney Anderson, is likely to open the season on the reserve slash physically unable to perform list?
1: Yeah, no shit. The sleeper here is Travion Williams. Um, check out Blair's article on backfield dominator rating, second highest in the 2019 class in that metric, highest among drafted running backs. Um, Giovanni Bernard is a free agent after the season. You could potentially be looking at uh, just a pure three down upside handcuff to Joe Mixon next year with Travion Williams, which would be, which would have some value in its own right. And then with a Mixon 2020 injury, you could be looking at a 2020 league winner. So it requires a little bit of patience. You might need some roster spots free in your dynasty league to stash Travion because it'll take probably two years for him to pay off. But that's, that's the running back sleeper here.
2: NFL networks, James Palmer expects Emmanuel Sanders to be a full go in two
1: to three weeks. Uh, Shit, no! He's a 32 year old coming off one of the worst injuries in sports. Um, I'm fading Sanders pretty much everywhere, unless I can get him for pretty much free in Dynasty, where you might be able to if if the guy owning him doesn't seem to be in the mix this year.
3: So I have a question. I've been throwing around this like Dynasty trade. Would you guys move in a baseball Dynasty Cooper Cop and uh, Manny Sanders for DJ Moore? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Right, I'm going to send that offer then. Team. Time to send this offer.
2: I mean, two guys coming off major injuries for one guy who's about to break out. Yep. I like that.
3: <laughs> yeah, the i would send that. Uh, nice. I'm gonna do it right now. Uh, after this blurb. The athletics is a Vic Tafour expects Jalen Richard to lose a good
1: chunk of his receiving work to the rookie Josh Jacobs. No shit, right? Because Jacobs was a first rounder, so we know they're gonna use him. And basically outside of where he was taken. The only thing I like about Jacob's uh, prospect profile is that he's probably going to be pretty good in the passing game. Um, so it's it's just stands to reason that Rashard is going to lose some of that work to this guy because they want to they want to feel good about the guy they just uh, spent a premium pick on. Uh, that said, I think that Rashard isn't a bad bet this year um, as like a late flyer because everyone like the ADP reflects this. The ADP assumes that Jacobs is going to get a lot of work and that Rashard is going to see a lot less – have a much smaller role. So uh, I kind of like Rashard still just because the price has fallen off. But, I mean, we shouldn't be expecting that uh, he's going to command the same target level that he did before Jacobs was there.
2: Yeah, um, I agree with that. I think the one thing that could end up being – still okay for richard and making him a pretty good value is that there just aren't a lot of other guys to catch passes on that team i mean besides antonio brown now but uh oakland lost like over 350 targets from last year um so you would expect richard's targets from last year to grow significantly so even if jacobs takes a chunk of those new targets you could still see Richard having a pretty big role in the passing game, even with Jacobs
1: also being good. Yeah. And Jacobs might not be good. That's true. So too. There's, the, there's upside there. Yeah.
2: NFL.com's Ian Rappaport reports Marquise Brown is progressing well and should be back on the field in a few weeks.
1: Yeah, I'll say no shit. I think, you know, he's supposed to be ready for camp when he was drafted. Um, we know that these things are pretty much always reported as optimistically as possible, so I guess it's it's not really a surprise that uh, it's a little bit later than we expected. Um, But, you know, I guess I wouldn't be shocked with a foot injury if he misses the first couple games. Um, Sounds like he should be ready for the season, but like if you're taking Marquise Brown, you're not taking him for early season production. Uh, I assume if you are taking him, it's mostly in Dynasty, um, and you're already getting a pretty big discount on him uh, just because of the situation, so this whole situation doesn't scare me too much.
3: Justin Watson said that he was watching tape of Larry
1: Fitzgerald to prepare him for playing in the slot this season. This is another one of my favorite. This is how you know we're in the dead of the offseason, season, right? Uh, thank God, like things are starting to pick up here in, in the next week because it's this is literally like who does Justin Watson know at Roto World? That he got a blur <laughs> of like what he was watching how many other receivers must've watched Larry Fitzgerald tape this off season? Like a hundred. Um, so it's just ridiculous. And, uh, Watson though is like a good flyer. I, I like him. I actually wrote an article just about Watson on road of his, uh, this off season. I think he could, he could have a secondary or sorry, sorry, a second season breakout. Um, the biggest thing about him, um, is that he had two consecutive seasons in college of over 50% market share of yards. Um, so like literally, he counted for more than half of his team's passing yardage, uh, in two consecutive seasons, which just like doesn't happen. Um, it's really only been done a few times at any level. He wasn't at a particularly high level. He was in the Ivy League, went to Penn, but, um, it's still just an incredible achievement, regardless of where he was playing. Uh, and he's also 6'2, 215. He had a 40 inch vertical. Um, He ran, he runs somewhere around four or five. So he's like a pretty solid athlete. Um, and he had this like ridiculous, uh, college, uh, statistics and, uh, he was drafted in the fifth round by the team. So he's not, uh, just kind of this undrafted guy who they might not stick with. And they kept him last year, the whole season, he made the roster as a fifth rounder stuck around the whole season, didn't get put on the practice squad first. So he's a pretty interesting prospect. The problem for him is that Scott Miller was just taken in the sixth round, and I absolutely love Scott Miller as a prospect. He had the highest phenom index in this wide receiver class, so that's John Moore's phenom index, which looks at age-based market share of yards. And then uh, he was the only 2019 wide receiver who, uh, who was drafted and broke out before the age of 20. He had the best finish in Anthony Amico's regression tree that he put up on, in an article for Rotoviz and Kevin Cole's regression tree analysis that he did for Rotoviz. Um, Scott Miller tied with Andy Isabella as is the best finish in this class in that. So Miller is just an absolute, ridiculously good prospect. He's a bit smaller. Um, he's like 174 pounds. But he's faster, and Arians loves the deep ball. So I guess basically keep your eye on this battle. And because uh, I think watson Watson was like watching this Laird Fitzgerald tape to prepare him for the slot. But Godwin's probably playing in the slot. so if if Watson is actually targeted for the slot, that means that um either Paraman Rashad Paraman, he who is like yet to get a thousand yards in the NFL in like five seasons, or Scott Miller is going to be playing on the outside in three wide receiver sets. So in some ways, this is actually bearish news for Watson. Even though it's not news at all, because he was just watching Larry Fitzgerald tape.
2: We didn't hear a blurb about Godwin watching tape of Larry Fitzgerald.
1: So <laughs> <Right>. maybe Watson's <laughs> about to leapfrog him. Adjust your rankings.
2: <laughs> the Houston Chronicle expects Will Fuller to be ready for week one.
1: Yeah, I hope so, right? Um, I'm pretty uh, optimistic on Fuller this season, but uh, he did. I think he was it was like around week seven where he tours ACL. And then uh it, so it wouldn't shock me if he wasn't back to form right away um so i really would like to see him um you know in taking full participation before the start of the season but we'll have to wait and see
2: it feels like Pro- almost no um uh, like all these guys who are injured kind of late in the season are having um are having all this only good news come out and i'm trying to remember if this is typical like do we always get only good news on these injured guys at this time and then later in the year they have a setback except um, for
3: Darius guys
2: yeah, yeah right yeah, yeah never never good when you're having bad news at this time of year but um I mean it is this fairly typical should we believe you know Will Fuller will be ready for week one and and Emmanuel Sanders is going to be a full go and I mean or
1: is they just all... have no incentive to say anything negative right now because yeah, they don't exactly. they don't have to own up to it if it's wrong, you know, for for like six weeks. So why <laughs> why say anything that someone will get mad about now right. <laughs> yeah. just, say, just say the best things you can. So, yeah, I do think it's it's all it's all probably overly optimistic. At least that's the assumption. That's the that's the prior. Right.
3: Yeah, it's the off season. The only time to really pay attention is if it's like negative news. And uh, with, you know, just going back to Geis, he's the only one we've heard, you know, complications with. We've had we've heard a lot of issues with his medical stuff. And then uh, there's was another Washington player, I believe an old lineman who mentioned that uh, he, was it Trent Williams? I can't remember.
2: I don't know. Washington is not even good at offseason. No,
3: uh, no <laughs> but he mentioned that he had like issues with his medical stuff. I'm gonna have to look it up now, um, but uh, Pro Football Talks Mike Florio suggests the Chiefs may look to trade contract here wide receiver Tyreek Kill.
1: Shit, no. Who's trading for Tyreek Kill right now? What, <laughs> like, what team is going to own up to just like trading, giving up assets for Tyreek Kill? Like, that's not a great look at this point. And uh, like, I know that there's no suspension and he's going to play and all that, but it, I just don't think there's like this hot market for Tyree kill on the trade market among uh, NFL teams right now. So um, I think that this will probably just like blow over and eventually they'll kind of quietly resign him um, in that article series we talked about earlier. I didn't include him um, because he wasn't projected at, at the time. Cause we all kind of thought he'd be suspended for most, if not all of the season he wasn't projected as a top 40 wide receiver for redraft, so he didn't fit into that analysis. Um, but now that the suspension hasn't come down, um, his ADP has is, is jumped up quite a bit. He just went 202 in my Dynasty startup that, that we've been talking about. What do you guys think of that as, uh, as the place to, to draft Tyreek Kill in a Dynasty startup? The Chief.
3: Sir, sort of like every dynasty owner
1: who immediately
3: updated their trade bait with Tyreek Hill after the news broke.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, two hundred two. That's aggressive, man. I think, I think so. it's aggressive. I mean, That's you really look aggressive.
2: at <clears throat> yeah, right. You look at what he did last year, and I mean, if you expect that kind of production to continue going forward, he's only what twenty four. So, I mean, it might not be that aggressive if you're just looking at the production profile at his age <clears throat> i don't know it's rich for me because i just know i'm never gonna own tyree kill on any on any team basically i'm never gonna draft him early enough because i don't know i don't really want to root for him
1: yeah i just turned 25 i would almost think of him like a running back or something you know because one he's so dependent on his his speed mm-hmm. so i think like if he falls off a bit it could be a big fall off, and then the other thing is that he's sort of in a situational, he has situational uncertainty akin to a running back in that, what if the Chiefs just decide to move on? Yeah, um, and then if he's not tied to Mahomes, his value drops quite a bit. So, uh, yeah, I think Tua is aggressive. <laughs> uh,
3: Charles Klein Haskell did that phenomenal series on Rotoviz a while ago about like suspensions and suspended players, and just like how improbable they're they're their uh, path back is post-suspension and all you know all he needs is the shooter drop the other thing about like hill what's kind of fascinating about him is that his smash weeks and tyree uh, and travis kelsey's smash weeks were kind of uh, uh, uh they were kind of independent of each other in that it's outside of like, that rams game where pretty much everyone smashed right mm-hmm. like, like when you're looking at hill's weekly finishes he has a just a bonkers ceiling and uh and a and a reasonably strong floor but I mean you still got Watkins who they probably want to get more involved and Watkins missed plenty of time last year they've got Marcus Robinson they've got a handful of other wide receivers behind them uh you know if Mahomes takes you start spreading the ball and uh and you're seeing more of a consistent target share in that 18 to 25 range it doesn't mean Hill isn't that you know elite wide receiver one it it does mean that there should be a handful of caution warranted. I, I just think what we're seeing now is people were so nervous on drafting Hill that there's a bit of an overreaction to where there's a tendency to just be like, we can do this again. Just draft him. I think like, that's right. Like, mm-hmm. there's like no, like there's no real set market. He just sort of boomerang back up to where I've seen him in basketball drafts go ahead of Julio Jones and Juju Smith-Schuster and Odell Beckham, and it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. all right, this is a bit much. Like, uh, so, you, you I mean, you just have people just going, uh, you have no idea how to deal with this. It's like, uh, uh, you know, because it's a very rare situation where we've seen like a wide receiver one for a team tethered to a prolific, prolific quarterback, Asma Holmes, uh, who is ready to rock and roll, uh, apparently, unless something else comes down the pipe. Uh, but, uh, which is completely possible, but, but again, it's, it's, it's more likely that, uh, it's a bit of an over, like a temporary overreaction there, there's just no reason he should be, uh, going ahead of some of the guys he's going in redraft at all. Uh, and it should really, really make you nervous when you see Kelsey and like Hill go within like two spots of each other, both in the first round. Uh, if, if you're the guy who's choosing Hill or the guy who chose Kelsey, I don't know how you just don't feel gross about that. Yeah. I'm
2: guessing I know how you guys would answer, but would you rather have Hill or someone like Diggs who I think is about the same age and doesn't maybe have the same production? Diggs. Yeah.
3: That's what I figured. Uh, yeah. I, I'm trying to come up with like a devil's advocate case, but like the other thing is, again, uh, it's very difficult to have guides with behavior, like, who uh, like, um who a server will face suspensions in the future because they're always going to be targets for the league. I mean, like, people were nervous about Zeke getting suspended for uh, an altercation with a security guard, which by all accounts uh, on video didn't <laughs> look like anything besides, like, Wounded Pride. <laughs> and, you know, people were talking about a four-game ban, right? So, um, and, and Charles, uh, I mean, and Charlie wrote that phenomenal, like, piece about, like, the likelihood of, uh, you know, getting suspended again by the NFL and what that means for your career. I mean, uh, we've got two cases in, in, in Josh Gordon and Mark Davis, wherein we're, you know, we're probably not gonna, you know, and as much as I really enjoyed those guys as players, it's, it's a very long rocky road back for both of them, but it's also a very thin line that has to be walked where you can't suffer, do any, they, they can't be any more future transgressions or there's really going to be hell to pay with it
1: with the league. Yeah, I mean, look, Diggs Diggs had 17.6 PPR points last year, and he finished as the second wide receiver on his own team. Thielen had 19.2, right? Diggs, uh, Hill had 20.5, so he barely outscored Thielen. Diggs, I think, has room to grow within his role in the offense. Kansas City is coming off this massive year where it's like, it's possible that they improve. I kind of hope they do. That'd be a lot of fun. But, you know, regression is real. I, I think that we could just see Diggs and Tyreek Hill in both having 16-game seasons, hypothetically, this year, score pretty similarly, and you're getting a, a similarly-aged guy and none of the character risk, none of the suspension risk, and none of the contract risk because Stefan Diggs is signed long-term um, and Hill, as of, as of this moment, is not. They're both 25, by the way. Um, Diggs is like... Turning twenty six in November and and uh Hill just turned twenty-five like a couple months ago. So Diggs is like half a year older. But yeah, I think Diggs mm-hmm. is pretty clearly the case there. And in, in this startup, Diggs didn't go until uh the mid third round. We got him at three oh four. So you're getting um you know, like a full twelve rounds of or full twelve picks, so a full round. Uh, value between hill and Diggs and at least this one startup i think that's just a massive <laughs> i mean yeah. we just we love that value uh there for Diggs and hill definitely
2: the seattle times bob Condata believes the seahawks will start the season with tyler lockett david moore and jerron brown in three receiver sets
1: yeah i guess um is who cares an option uh <laughs>
2: <laughs> who gives a shit
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, like Lockett's the only one we care about. Um, he, I have him as a buy in Dynasty. When I wrote the article, his, his ADP was wide receiver twenty nine. Um, I think he's a clear buy. The like Metcalf is going to get worked in, and they may work in some of the other guys. Uh, they took like Jennings um, or Sua. So I think some of the other dudes are going to see time. Lockett's probably going to be the only consistent producer that we ever want to start. Um, the thing I wanted to ask you guys is, where do you stand on the d- debate that was raging during the Scott Fishbowl nine draft, uh, the road of his debate on Tyler Lockett versus DJ Moore?
2: Oh, I'm definitely on DJ Moore side. I mean, if we're just talking like straight up, talking redraft, would you rather have in redraft? Yeah, definitely more.
3: Yeah, uh, I'm kind of i probably lean more uh, if only because that's that's how I'd also be playing it. Their ADPs are similar, the range of outcomes are similar. Um, uh, one of the things that like we're talking a lot about like Kansas City regressing in terms of touchdowns, uh, spoiler alert, so will Russell Wilson, you just uh, and I've heard a lot of people talk about like increased volume, uh, you know, sort of, sort of offsetting or at least trying to curb some of that touchdown rate. But at the same time, like you know, Lockett had like an outlier um, of a season in terms of wide receiver efficiency, and it's very difficult to expect him to to repeat that, uh, you know. And one of the other things about like Lockett not being able to repeat that is that um, it's a really good thing that uh, the Seattle Seahawks have uh, established wide receivers to run alongside him. It's not like he's going to be the sole focus of the defense, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, which, which again, should uh, I? I I know, you know, wide receiver cornerback matchups are, are kind of difficult, and and Russell Wilson is truly a transcendent pocket passer. And at the same time, not only should we expect him to not toss for that kind of touchdown rate as he did last year, because it was also otherworldly, not in a Mahomes sense, but you know, if you remove Mahomes from the equation, it was very elevated. Uh, but from a from a when this guy regresses, hard slash the Seattle Seahawks continue this run heavy methodology, uh, you know, what comes next? And and again, you know, maybe DK Metcalf or or David Moore or, or Jeron Brown or Gary Jennings or John Ursua or any of these guys are really going to be, uh, you know, maybe one of these guys should theoretically step up. I don't know how they probably have more real life value than fantasy value. But I do see this team just running the ball a lot. And we saw it last year. Their their slavish devotion to the run cost them actual games. It cost them the playoff game against the Dallas Cowboys. It, it cost them the game against the Rams, where these guys just ast- continue to establish the run, uh, you know, to the detriment of, like, game clock, game situation. Just completely devoid of of, of game situation. These guys were hell-bent on getting Chris Carson, like, 35 touches. Like,
1: yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. I, I would take more. And I think and that the point about the offense is exactly right. Like if they had a new offensive coordinator coming in and we could could just project um, more passing. It's not just the passing either. Right. It's the pace. They also play really, really slow. So uh, if we got more plays and more of those plays were passes like uh, and we can kind of get out in front of that trend. Um, with, a, you know, the new coordinator, basically what I'm saying is as soon as a new coordinator gets uh, uh, put in place in Seattle, we're going to just be drafting all of those players way ahead of ADP. But the the problem is that, um, you know, with Lockett, you can project a really nice season, but with more, you can project a similar season and you get the upside of him having a breakout season. And that's tougher to see in Lockett's case, I think.
3: Yeah, I'm still, uh, I've heard a lot of people talk about, uh, you know, this Curtis Samuel wide receiver one stuff. And uh, just, uh, I don't think I'm there. I'm, you know, you, like, we really need to uh, stop throwing words around just because we can. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, like, I like Curtis Samuel too.
3: For right. the
1: record, but I think he's, I think he's pretty well priced as well i i uh I've been trying to scoop up both in pretty much any format i think both are both are undervalued. Samuel's a really interesting prospect and uh very young. I don't hold his slow starting against him because he was just so young when he entered the league
3: yeah yeah exactly he was young he was he was really a prolific like hybrid player almost mm-hmm. um uh there's a i mean there's a lot to like about him, but there's been enough people that are now on him to where to where you're really facing one of those you know those gross pick choices that I mentioned earlier, like the Hill Kelsey one. You're, you're looking at DJ Moore. Then it's like eight picks later, it's Curtis Samuel. and it's like, what side do you want? Right. You know, and it's like, and it's not like eight wide receivers later. It's literally eight picks later. So, so you know, you've got to really t- it, like that's re- really taking a stand almost. So it's like, okay, so, so this is so this so this is where where we believe him to be. And again, like like you said, I, I love Curtis Samuel. I just don't think I can. Samuel in that same tier if only because Moore was was young coming into the league and he seems to have a, a skill set that um, uh, that is I don't know man like a discount Tyreek Hill I guess if you want to really talk about it like in in that regard because we just mentioned about like uh, Tyreek Hill's like ability to be that like hybrid um, uh, you know 40 point guy who can go off for two scores as well like again Moore is a guy who if Cam can hit the flat he can take it to the house he's a know? running
1: back once, right. once he has the ball in his hands he's a running back
3: same he, thing with Curtis Samuel, right?
1: Yeah, although Samuel's is so much, he's like, he's smaller. And right. DJ Moore with the ball in his hands. There's just like the way he runs is just, uh, it's it's like watching a running back. Um, I think he's just going to be incredible in terms of yards after the catch this year. Yeah, and and this is not sponsored at
3: all. But if you've got a chance to watch the uh, Carolina Panthers uh, show on Amazon Prime, I can't. The names of escaping me oh, right nothing. now. All or nothing. Thank you. There's there's been some great moments in that with like Moore and just Steve Smith. Did you guys uh, did you guys see that uh, Steve Smith interaction with DJ Moore?
1: I I did not realize that that had finally dropped. I'd heard that that was. Uh, I was like Googling it last month. Like when is All or Nothing coming out? <laughs> but. All right, that's I'm I'm going to be yeah. binging that as soon as we finish here. Yeah, it's,
3: it's Steve Smith like like DJ Moore tells Steve Smith to start him on his fantasy team and Steve Smith just stares back and says if you get me 2 points I'm going to slap the shit out of you. <laughs> ESPN's Adam Scaffer reports Julian Edelman is expected to be sidelined the first 3 weeks of training camp with a left on
1: injury. Yeah, this is another no shit. Um Edelman's missed at least 4 games in 3 of the last 4 years. He's 33. Um so I think the thing with Edelman is that he's going to produce when he's on the field. Uh, there's a lot of targets there. Um, he's very familiar obviously with Brady. Um, but you should expect that he's missing time. Like don't, don't like do like a full season projection with him and say, Oh, look, look how many targets he's going to get. That's great. I'll just slot that in, you know, as my wide receiver too, He he's not going to be reliable in that way. I don't think, but, um, uh, Will be interesting in DFS, and he'll be interesting in uh, in spots in redraft. I think, and he's pretty cheap in dynasty. So you have a really really strong team. Um, he's he's worth adding if you can get him cheap.
2: Coach Dan Quinn said Julio Jones is still in the rehab process after sitting out minicamp.
1: Yeah, right. He wants a new contract, so he's probably going to keep doing that until he gets it. Um, I don't think there's much to see here other than. He really wants to be paid. The Jaguars placed uh, Marquis Lee on the active
3: pop list.
1: Yeah, like why? So I guess shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, why is this taking so long? But the, the injury was in the preseason of last year, I believe. So right now I'm just uh, I'm just betting on D.D. Westbrook. If, if I'm betting on a Jaguars wide receiver. Where are you guys at with Lee?
2: Yeah, I like Lee. Uh, I'm also betting on Westbrook more than anything, uh, but Lee is someone who you can you can get for almost nothing right now in a lot of leagues, so I am adding him, you know, drafting him in the late rounds of best ball leagues. Um, <clears throat> you know, and at that cost, this news is, like, a little disconcerting, but it's not, you know, I mean, you're already not spending a lot. I mean, the one, you know, When this blurb came out, they also reported that Raquel Armstead was starting on active pup list, which I think is actually much worse um, because, like, the team hasn't even seen him play and he hurt his hamstring, like, what, seven weeks ago or something? Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I'm actually much more concerned about that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that is concerning. And he was a fifth round pick, right? So they didn't really have anything tied to him too much. I mean, you could see him hit the practice squad pretty easily. Mm
3: Mm-hmm. They could probably just bring J.H.I. in or something if they needed a body. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Geronimo Allison confirms his main focus this season it will be the slot.
1: Yeah, no shit. I, he's been slated for that role. Um, I actually prefer Allison to MVS um, because I do think that Allison's role is a bit more defined and therefore probably more secure in terms of targets. I. It's really hard to... For me to figure out who's gonna get targets in this offense uh outside of Adams, um, because it's just all sort of a jumble with the other wide receivers. So I like that I can sort of at least count on Allison to be taking those slot snaps where I'm not sure that MVS is always gonna be the guy on the outside with the Adams. So where are you guys at with that with that battle or you know, deciding between those two in your drafts?
2: Yeah, I'm more I'm definitely on the m v s uh side more have a lot more exposure to him. I mean, it seems right that allison would be would be in the slot but i'm i'm pretty sure Valdez scaling played a lot out of the slot last year too. I don't have the exact numbers, but I think when he was active he was he was getting a lot of snaps in the slot so um it really is kind of a competition for that you know slot position you know we kind of see this every year with green bay where whoever there's some hype for whoever's supposedly going to be the wide receiver two in green bay and they get they get hyped up and uh then it ends up you know being somebody else altogether or it's just not even a valuable uh receiver position at all so um part of me wants to kind of temper expectations for all these guys and maybe i maybe i want to start getting more esb but i don't know uh mvs a little bit more than allison but yeah it's it's a uh, tough to call
3: yeah i'm with you i was taking a lot of mvs when he was a 16th rounder and uh, i'm not drafting him where he's going now uh you've got to i mean he's kind of going on SfPC he's uh, going couple of picks after DD Westbrook, ahead of Anthony Miller, Nikhil Harry, uh, Deshaun Jackson, Michael Gallup, De- Devin Funches, Mont- uh, Dante Moncrief, Tyrell Williams, Deshaun Hamilton, Traquan. Um, I just, it was fine chasing the Green Bay wide like the hypothetical Green Bay wide receiver, too, when the price was in the 16th round, like it was like a few months ago. I, I don't think I can get on board with, uh, with chasing them up here if only because uh, there's a fairly poor track record uh, of the fantasy community. Like a player mentioned, chasing a Green Bay wide receiver to theoretical. Uh, a few years ago, it was um, Jordy Nelson as a wide receiver one, Randall Cobb as a wide receiver two, Devante Adams as a wide receiver mm-hmm. three in the final round. And then it was, uh, uh, you know, Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, uh, Randall Cobb, and Nelson tore his ACL. And then it was – and Cobb still did nothing. Then it's like, Devontae Adams. Uh, and then people were, like, uh, taking Randall Cobb last year, again, as the wide receiver, too, in about the same range, who also once again did nothing. So it just it just feels like these guys are fine for best ball. I don't know how much more I want to add uh, that I have for Valdez Cantling. Like Blair mentioned, I'm kind of in on ESB just as that final pick. Uh, you know 18th round draft he goes like really really late in FFPC you can get him in like the last two rounds like 27 28 and if he's the guy who eventually just sort of finds you know accretion by the fact that there's an injury uh, ahead of him then it's like well that's just playing with house money at that point Uh, I think I'd much rather you know if I'm taking you know best watch shots or like other guys in that range I like or even just waiting a a little bit for like a stills or an Isabella or like you know any of those
1: guys what are your thoughts yeah, I like that. I like the ESB call. Um, taking the cheapest guy in an uncertain situation is always a good call, I think. Um, yeah, and Allison isn't really a target for me, but I'm just i I'm basically a little bit scared off of MVS at his price. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty there, I think.
2: I just looked it up. Um, MVS had 41% of his snaps in the slot. Allison had 12 or almost 13. So, yeah. Huh. Confirming his main focus will be on the slot is kind of like he's expecting to move into a new role. Um He was
3: also not healthy last year.
2: Yeah. But still, I think that is twelve thirteen percent of this of the, the routes he ran or the uh were ran out of the slot. I don't know. I don't know where these how these numbers are calculated, but in any case I mean Seems uh, like MVS is the guy that they used more in the slot last year. So, so yeah, it's an interesting, interesting blurb.
3: Yeah, but just to push back a little bit on whatever Allison had to say, wouldn't theoretically, if you're a smart OC, want to get Devontae Adams lined up more out of the slot?
1: Yeah, that. Yeah, I I was thinking the same thing when I read this. Like, how much was Devontae Adams going to be used out of the slot? Because think- he's got that. You know he's a big body, got a good yak skill set, right?
3: Like like these X, like the prototypical X receivers, was makes them more valuable than the typical quote unquote slot receivers. The ability to play all over the formation and not really give away where they're going to be, you know, (laughs) they're not going to really be signaling the intent of what the OC wants, right?
2: Cooper Cup will avoid the active pup list to open training camp.
1: Um. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I don't know if it's a no shit shit no what is, but that's good news. Uh, the um, I when I wrote up Cup in this article series, um, uh, the what if I write article series, the red flag that I had for him, I had him as a red flag by, um, the red flag was his health in the lack of an injury discount. So in dynasty, you're not really getting much of a discount on him, it's as if he didn't tear his ACL. Um, but, you know, if he's coming right back and it's as if he didn't tear, tear his ACL in real life, then, you know, maybe that lack of discount makes sense. Um, he's He looks like a really good dynasty buy outside of that injury. He's under contract cheaply for this year and next year. He was uh, had a great year last year, and the offense was much more effective with him on the field, um, which makes me think that, you know, he's probably going to be re-signed at some point but again it's not not something you even have to worry about right now if you're if you have him in dynasty so uh he's he's uh 26 and um already very productive and in a great situation potentially for the long term so really good dynasty buy as long as he's healthy so these uh positive reports on the health are really good news and and make me a little bit more bullish uh in terms of his dynasty adp
3: just, just to push back a little bit again, because I love playing the contrarian. Um, uh, we just talked a little bit about Will Fuller and like the injury optimism surrounding these guys coming off those late, you know, late season tears. Uh, what gives me pause a little bit more so about Cup is that we just saw the Rams lie through their teeth about Dodd Gurley's health.
1: That's a good point.
3: Like uh, they. Um, Needed to lie about you know Gurley's situation uh, before they faced you know where they pretty much locked up the division they were pretty much on 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 par for that uh, uh, first round bye, but they still came out and lied about Gurley's availability against two bottom division teams. I think the the Cardinals game really sticks out in my mind because uh, I, it felt like I. Maybe, you know, the time, uh, and my memory is failing, but like it just felt like the the, the Rams swore up and down, Gurley's going to get, you know, 20 to 25 touches that game, full compliment, full go against the cards. And like it was a C.J. Anderson show. So, unless, unless, uh, Sean McVay, the guy who can, uh, whose one true skill is naming the other team's, uh, uh, starting players, uh, forgot his own starting player, um, I think we can, uh, be safe to assume that like the Rams are, uh, trying to find a way to, you know, they've they've not been 100% truthful in their assessment. So it, it should give me, it gives me a little bit of pause uh, uh, again. And, you know, we had Matt Kelly on at the start of the season, uh, shout out. And he mentioned a little bit about, you know, like it was a weekend ACL tear. Uh, so maybe he will, uh, you know, avoid active pop here. And, uh, and Matt mentioned that um, got could probably come back in in month one, uh, but maybe not be up to full speed until later in the season. But also, it's it's, it's interesting because um, right now the teams there's no incentive to put them on the pop because that means they're not going to come off until week six at the earliest anyway, right? You can always do it later, I guess, yeah. if needed, or 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 rest them out, or just not play them for a while. That's that way you avoid that six game initial penalty.
1: Yeah, it's a really good point. I think. Uh... You know, we got to take this stuff with a grain of salt, as we mentioned earlier. And so a very big grain of salt when it comes to the Rams. It's also a reminder that Robert Woods is really undervalued, um, just like everywhere. you know, dynasty redraft, like the whole thing. Um, And that's probably even more so if Cup were to miss some time or to be rolled out as a decoy, you know, for the first few games. So um, just a PSA on Robert Woods. You should probably draft him.
3: Hi, Rotos fans. Allow me a brief second to tell you about our good friends over at the FFPC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. It's been 10 years since the FFPC filled their first Dynasty League, and they've now grown to be the world's largest Dynasty League commissioner, but leagues as high as $5,000 to enter. FFPC leagues are active and competitive, and not a single league has ever folded. Brand-new started Dynasty Leagues are forming right now, starting at $77 and up in standard Superflex and best ball formats. And... Uh, For those of you who are ready for your greatest challenge, take a look at this year's FFPC main event. Uh, What is the main event exactly? It is the world's biggest event in season-long fantasy football, and this year is coming at you with half a million dollars grand prize and over $3.1 million in total prizes. Come to Las Vegas for a three-day weekend of live drafts, festivities at the Planet Hollywood Resort and Casino, or draft online from the comfort of your home. The main event drafts start on August twenty third and run through the start of the season. We've actually got uh, Packaran, who is a high stakes legend. Pat, uh, you've been uh, this is going to be your fourth year with Pete Overzet over at the uh, main event. Uh, What are your thoughts? And you know, is it something that you think that uh, listeners should go out and give it give a whirl?
1: Absolutely. I mean, legends a bit strong, Harry. I mean, (laughs) we've made the playoffs last year and our third year. That was good. Um, But yeah, the FFPC is awesome. We're doing it again this year. it's a, it's an absolute blast, and it's a, uh, it's a really fun way to sort of test yourself against other hardcore fantasy players. I can't believe it. That
2: Gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets?
1: Look, here comes a 1.7% decrease in fixed overhead. Hello, everybody. No,
2: I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico.
0: Who are you the projected increase in organic q3 revenue hooray believe it geico could save you 15 percent or more on car insurance geico presents oh, yet another voicemail from your roommate hi so about the kitchen turns out when there's a grease fire you're not supposed to throw water on it <laughs> who would have known right anyways the fire department is here and it's totally cool give me a call back when you get a chance The GEICO Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected, like if danger is your roommate's middle name. Visit GEICO.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance.
2: All right, moving on to news item number three. Yahoo's Charles Robinson reports the Chargers are dug in with their stance on Melvin Gordon's holdout. Um, Gordon has threatened to hold out and demand a trade beyond week one if his contract demands aren't met, and it sounds as if that proclamation will truly be put to the test so pat do you expect to see gordon in a chargers uniform
1: this season probably i think the thing with gordon is i'm just not drafting him he was already sort of in that range where i wasn't that interested so uh like in Fish bowl nine for example i had the sixth pick and the first five picks were the kind of classic top five running backs that everyone's going to take in the top five picks this year um and then so I basically signed between Kelsey and Gordon. I went Kelsey before the news. Uh, and if this was a non-tight end premium league, uh, like a standard PPR league, I would have gone Hopkins. So he's already kind of in the range where I'm like shifting off of those running backs. Um, and with this news, I mean, he shifts way down, but he doesn't shift probably far down enough to where I become interested because he, he's not going to get past the wide receivers who are kind of safer and uh should be very productive so um in dynasty uh he just went at 209 in the startup that i was doing um that that could be a good pick that could end up as a good pick but like you know Diggs was still on the board Amari cooper was still on the board so like that's in that situation i'm just not taking gordon um but he was also not a target for me in dynasty anyway so I have no idea how this is going to play out, uh, but this is probably like just a reminder that, um, you know, running backs are are risky. They're risky too because the teams know they're not all that valuable, right? So if the the guy doesn't, you know, we saw this with with Bell, he finally does hold out and Connor comes in and crushes. And, you know, the Steelers, uh, you know, anyone looking to the Steelers to figure out what they should do here, like the Chargers may be doing aren't going to feel like they should cave because maybe um, Jackson will come in here and have an absolute monster season. So uh, I, I, I'm, I have no real information here, but it's just, I, I don't think he's a guy that you should really be targeting right now. Yeah. So
3: one of the things uh, that, that Tim Talmadge, I believe mentioned a little bit about uh, Keenan Allen and his ADP earlier this off season was just how it was really high. He showed how, Melvin Gordon. This was over in Rotaviz, of course. Uh, that how Melvin Gordon is a bit of a drag on Keenan Allen's production. Just out of curiosity, if if you know if Melgo were to just not report or be traded or what have you, how do you think this receiving core works out? Um, you know, who are the guys that you're targeting for redraft and for Dynasty?
1: I think Allen's generally a little underrated in Dynasty. He's seen as this um, kind of consistent guy, and he has been pretty consistent. But um, I think he does have a bit more upside. Um, the chargers were really slow last year, but they haven't been that slow in terms of, you know, the pace of play. Um, they've been on closer to middle of the pack typically. So we could just see more plays, uh, if they, you know, play some faster teams this year or just sort of regress to their, their mean. Um, and that provides upside for Allen uh, Williams, Mike Williams is interesting. He's sort of this weird situation where I'm more interested in, the potential breakout player in redraft than I am in dynasty, because I think if Williams doesn't break out this season, you could see a big value drop in dynasty. Obviously, if he does break out, you get added profits. So, you know, I totally understand if people want to take the jump on, on Williams and dynasty, but personally, I'd kind of rather cap the risk um, with Williams and target him more in redraft um, where if he doesn't pan out, I can just move on. But I do like his breakout potential, and then yeah, I mean you got you got Eckler too, could be really valuable, and Justin Jackson could be, you know, uh, from where his ADP was previously, which is super super late, could be like a league winning type of pick for anyone who was loading up on him in best ball drafts before this news broke. So and he's he's still he's still a value um uh, at his current ADP I think. So basically every I guess did I just say everyone? <laughs> <laughs> You missed uh,
2: one guy that... I missed uh, Hunter Henry. Yeah, right. Yeah. Court just wrote up a piece on a Chargers Deep Sleeper, DeTres Newsom, who, um, you know, hmm. probably like half the people who listen to the show have never even heard of, but he's like... Uh, I can't even remember where he went to school. A Division One school, but he obviously crushed it. And um, didn't get a lot of opportunity last year, but he's... He's kind of interesting. He has a little athleticism and I mean with an injury to Eckler or Jackson, if Gordon is not gonna play, he becomes someone that you really wanna know about. Um so yeah, I don't know if you have any thoughts on
1: him, but check no, out. No, but piece. Reeds Court's article, yeah, that the deep sleeper stuff has been really cool. Court's been writing up deep sleepers for every team and those are really good reads. Yeah.
2: They're supposed to be kind of like a tease, but I just gave it away. So, <laughs> whatever. You get a free win.
3: Um, wow. Did you guys not play Trez Usum in preseason DFS last That's year? That's right.
2: Yeah. Preseason DFS. He was a monster.
1: I blew it. <laughs> uh,
3: him and Philip Lindsay and Trenton Cannon Chris Warren.
1: Oh, it was almost is that Fi-
3: time, guys.
1: Is Philip Lindsay. Like the biggest breakout star for this for same season, preseason, and seasonal DFS? <laughs> That's a good question, probably, man. Be awesome
3: He's got to be the top guy ever, right? Yeah. I'm of the belief
1: that he is like Danny Woodhead 2.0, which
3: didn't seem to be a popular belief among people.
1: I mean, I, I Blair actually got me on Lindsay last year. I had some shares of him in deeper leagues because of the um, backfield dominator rating. Same. Um, so I felt, yeah, that was awesome to be early on him, and then, um, but I've I've kind of been selling a little bit because people, because people really like him now, yeah. which is fine. But you know, he's a running back, so I want my profits.
3: Yahoo's Charles Robinson reports: Amari Cooper is in no rush to sign a contract extension. According to Robinson, um, Cooper is happy to wait for Julio Jones, Michael Thomas, and Tyreek Hill to set the market before he signs. Um, Pat you uh, highlighted Cooper as a red flag buy a wide receiver in your dynasty series. Uh, you know, do you mind just sharing why that is? and you know what does Cooper need to do this year to uh, in order to gain Dino value?
1: Yeah, so the red flag um, that I highlighted for him, so overall, I consider Cooper to be a dynasty buy based on this analysis, and just overall, I do think that he's a dynasty buy. But um the red flag that I highlighted uh, was actually only somewhat related to his contract situation. It was that he's never finished in the top 12 among wide receivers and he's entering his fifth year. So he's got this potential. If he underperforms to, uh, maybe not be on the Cowboys. You know, we, we have to see how they play this with the, with, you know, potentially extending him before the season or whatever. But, um, there is risk that he changes teams again. Um, but I think the bigger thing is if he underperforms our expectations of him this year, you're looking a guy who's now played five NFL seasons and has never had a wide receiver one season. And Cooper's always drafted in dynasty at a premium to where we expect him to finish. He's always this guy that we uh, that we think is about to break out because he was such a good prospect and he's he's had these huge blow up games as well. We've seen the upside with him Um, this year. He's uh, going as wide receiver eight in ADP, um, but he's only projected to finish at wide receiver 10. So that's the kind of the premium that I mean is that uh, he's being drafted in dynasty ahead of where he would be drafted in redraft. Um, And I think that evaporates if he has a bad season, even if he doesn't just have, a good season. So if he's like wide receiver 20 or something, I think people start he just starts to lose that shine a little bit. Um then of course if he does change teams, that's potential some real downside with him. However, uh as I said, I do consider him a buy. Um so after making a sell case, I think the the upside here is that, you know, we do expect him in redraft to finish as a top 10 wide receiver for the first time, but we do think it'll happen. And um this team, I think, could pass more. They have a new offensive coordinator, um, former quarterback, and former quarterback's coach. So they could be a little bit more pass-heavy, and they probably will extend him. Um, and so if he gets that uh, you know, tied to a, a pretty solid quarterback there as the number one option in Dallas, then I think he his value will increase just based on that. And with a top-10 season um, – I think he could jump up close to the top 5 wide receivers cuz that that premium I think will stick around as long as he as long as he has a good season this year. So with like a wide receiver seven season, he could be drafted as a top 5 wide receiver in dynasty pretty easily.
2: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh kind of the risks you laid out. I mean, I think you're right that um I mean, yeah, I would expect him to have probably, if he's going to have a top 10, a top 12 wide receiver season, it would probably be this year. I mean, we already saw the Cowboys kind of open up their offense and pass the ball a little more kind of as soon as he arrived. And um, yeah, his presence actually helped the offensive efficiency in in a lot of ways, helped Ezekiel Elliott's efficiency even. So, um, you know, it's the sort of thing where you would hope that Dallas kind of (laughs) learns from what they what they did at the end of last season and kind of just keeps that going and um, you know keeps funneling him targets but uh, yeah I man when you said he hadn't had a a wide receiver one season yet I was almost like it takes me back to thinking about like I don't know Sammy Watkins or someone who we always draft high and then um, he's a disappointment so I'm kind of hoping that that's not what's in store for cooper but uh yeah obviously he's been way more healthy than watkins has um but still
3: not uh, in 2017
2: yeah well right that's true but yeah the risks are the risks are definitely there if he doesn't doesn't uh, finally put it
1: together fantasy owners are irrational too like they'll (laughs) hold that against him you know what i mean it's like oh i drafted him and he busted and he you know all that stuff i mean that it flips so the the guys who have those big premiums, like Watkins is a great example. You know, he was supposed to be, I remember that in that uh, 2014 draft trading up, I got the one Oh two to take Mike Evans and, uh, or actually sold off a player to get that pick and had a guy just be like, like, you clearly don't know that the only wide receiver of note in this class is Sammy Watkins. Right. So it's just (laughs) like, that was, that was like sort of the prevailing attitude for Watkins at the time. And then when, then he doesn't come through. People get, um, I think kind of irrationally scared of him, irrationally low on him. And, and, and so Cooper could potentially be in that camp um, with another uh, bad finish or just a, a finish below expectations. Corey Davis, I think is in another mm-hmm. situation like this. People are really excited about him. He's yet to really break out. This is his third season. If he doesn't do it this year, I think people will start to label him as a bust and sort of, Basically, just talk shit about him. and want no parts of them. Um, so, you know, these are that. It's like, to me, this is a big part of the way I play Dynasty. I try to, I want to be able to trade my players. Um, I don't want to be stuck with anyone, and so that is a risk. If you end up with a guy that people just don't like, um, and Cooper is about, you know, one kind of mediocre season away from being that guy. That said, his splits with Dallas are are really enticing. And so he could have a just a monster season. So I am kind of waiting in and taking him if I can, you know, if I don't have to overpay.
3: Yeah, it's not possible. I was trying to buy Amari Cooper, like uh, at his low point last year, just where he wasn't getting targets. He'd pretty much dried up And like I was told by the other Amari shooters, like, you know, uh, we're going to we're riding Amari out, till his value hit zero. And it's like, mm. well, uh, great. That's also me. Um, but, <laughs> Uh, so just 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 a little bit of pushback on that like not never had a wide receiver one season he was really really close it, I think he missed like the wide receiver one like the that, that got off by like a handful of points I think it was like a 60 yard catch or something like just something ridiculous or one touchdown just just not like a real um this, time,
1: this yeah. is how thresholds work
3: I, I know threshold <laughs> I and know. say it and it's true I know it's it's and it's really good because because again I I, I agree with you a 100 percent in I wrote a a piece last year for Rotaviz about like Amari Cooper as a potential dark horse to lead the league in targets because in 2017 the interesting thing was Cooper showed up to training camp complaining of like a knee issue and since then uh, since like preseason he uh, would spend every Wed Monday Tuesday Wednesday on the on the injury report. Then got taken off on Thursday. Then he'd play on Sunday and not do well, and the cycle would repeat again. The only time he didn't, he wasn't on that injury report, was before he like, massacred the Chiefs for 300 yards on Thursday Night Football. Um, that was the only Wednesday that he was not on the injury report. We had
1: high stakes that year. I remember that. Yeah, did you guys start him that week? I I don't. I'm not sure we did.
3: Oh shit! <laughs> I started him everywhere. That was literally, I mean, like because 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 Ben Gress wrote about it in his ceiling Signals column that week about like that. It, it, like we just went, he went pretty long on Amari Cooper just about. And the second I saw that he wasn't on that Wednesday injury report, I was like, well, I gotta start Amari. What's the worst that could happen? Do I keep losing this team on the, with the teams that I have Amari on? Sure, whatever. What's the worst that could happen? And it, it worked out. And then after that, Akib Talib pretty much tried to behead Amari in that Denver game. Uh, and, uh, and, and he was just sort of, uh, not really there for the rest of the season in terms of health. Uh, last year, his biggest issue, (laughs) the biggest issue people face is like uh, the, the narrative flips, right? Because like Amari had like these insanely up and down weeks. He either finishes a wide receiver one for the week or he finishes like pretty much wide receiver 160 for the week. There was no in between. And it was because Derek Carr is uh, a check down expert. And it wasn't until um, he got traded to Dallas, uh, you know, uh, did he actually start seeing semi-consistent target volume. And 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 the concern was, well, Amari can't do it. Uh, You know, he hasn't had time to establish a rapport with like Dak. Like, how's he gonna? You know, he's changing teams. He's gonna do the thing, and then he just sort of strolls right in, (laughs) and pretty much revitalizes his value like (laughs) within eight games. Um, Mike, it's like. Are you concerned at all about Jason Witten returning here? Like, you know, like how many targets are you penciling him in for? Do you even consider Jason Witten to be uh, any form of an actual thing outside of a figurehead for
1: the team at this point? I don't. I mean, he's going to be on the snap count, I think. And like they also have such a different role in the offense. You know, like Cooper has this, these big, he's a deep threat, right? He's a, he's a all around wide receiver. Yeah.
3: Yeah, but he
1: but he gets down the field and, and that's why he has these monster games because he, you know, if you connect on a couple of these passes with Cooper, you can have like the 100 plus couple touchdown games pretty easily. But then he'll also get you some duds. Um, and I don't think that will change. And, and I don't think that Winton is necessarily going to be like Cooper was probably covered on Witten's targets. You know what I mean? Right, like, I, I hate to think that Witten is the the first read on a lot of these passing routes, <laughs> but I guess we'll no, see.
3: No, that's just going to be, look, if anyone in the Dallas Cowboys watched like Witten in the booth yet last season, the man clearly should not be playing football. He has no idea what's going on. <laughs> uh. Well, or
0: maybe
1: he, he should be playing yeah. football because he wasn't very good at instead of announcing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah but,
0: but
3: I mean, I mean, we saw we saw a living legend in Rob Gronkowski just put together this sad wash season before like retiring. Like it was just really it was like sad watching him like move around the football field. Now we're bringing back Jason Witten, who really wasn't even very mobile in his prime. So, yeah. uh, does any of this make you excited for Michael Gallup this year?
1: Yeah, I think Gallup's pretty interesting. Um
3: he's another one of those second year candidates who are just going really like really late relative to yeah. where his upside is, right?
1: Yeah, he's a second year breakout candidate. He wasn't a bad prospect, and um he's not someone I was terribly excited about, but he's really cheap. Like really cheap. So yeah, I think if you're I think mean, I'm he doesn't concern me if I'm going after Amari, but in terms of getting exposure cheaply to that offense, I think he's a great way to play it. I do think that. The Cowboys may pass more than we think. Um, You know, with the new offensive coordinator, um, and frankly, because it's a better way to play football, they should probably, you know, we, I think it's likely that we do see them pass more. And, um, you know, all of those targets aren't going to go to Cooper. And like I said, I don't think Winton is going to be a target hog. So that provides some real upside for Gallup. All right. Last question Tony Pollard is some dude called Randall Cobb. (laughs) who's
3: who's this randall cobb guy anyway
1: oh yeah that is funny as i'm describing this offense i kind of forgot about uh about cobb (laughs) well no i mean you right you go for the upside here uh so it's got to be pollard because if if we see an injury to zeke uh, that could be massive massive value swing where like what kind of scenario crafting do we have to do to where cobb has startable value this year?
3: Probably an injury to like Amari or Gallup. And even then, he'll get you like nine points before injuring his hammy. Exactly. It may be an injury to Amari and Gallup. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The interesting thing about like Pollard uh, is that he did play some wide receiver as well in college. uh, And he could be a sneaky slot option, kind of like that Naheem Hines figure. It's
2: Hmm. true. Even an injury to Cooper and Gallup probably helps Pollard more than. Yeah. Still rather have Pollard than Cobb. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah I just checked my ownership percentages. I don't have enough Ballard. oh take him in the first round. all
2: right <laughs> All right on well, that will end it. That'll do it for this edition. Special thanks to our guest Pat corain Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Pat Carain. uh You can follow Hassan at Hr 5010. I'm at am i the real Blair. Please remember to rate and review the road of his radio channel on Apple podcasts and subscribe to our patreon. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Football Report. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio Podcast channel on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at RotovizRadio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at RotovizRadio. Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage. rodovis.com slash podcast.
1: That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff.
0: Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment